way the world works is dramatically different. But you really didn't see a day when that happened. It was kind of like just a flow and a change and a, you know, a new thing came along and another new thing came along and life as we know it today is radically different than it was back even 40 years ago. We didn't have cell phones, we didn't have computers, we didn't have you know, uh, Wi-Fi, we couldn't turn on off our lights from in the bed. You had to get out of the bed and flick the switch. Do you all know what those switches do? <laughs> the world is dramatically changing. Right. And you're going to see right. probably in 10 years from now, you know, I'll be able to sit in my living room. I can do it from here. I can take my cell phone out. I can open my garage door from here. Isn't that amazing how our world is? But you see, what's happening is, is that you just kind of slowly but surely things begin to change. And the culture, life, society, begins to change along with these very small and incremental changes. And I believe it, taking back to my funeral day, when I was just sitting in the back of that church listening to the funeral, and the Lord was speaking to me about the next 20 years from the context of uh, the aging demographic of humankind as we are going in the next, 50, the next 20 years. And he was telling me about the people who are typically prone to go to church. Now, I'll, I know there's lots of age groups in here, and I appreciate that that's true, but by and large, the people who go to church nowadays are over the age of 55. They're kind of my age and older. The ones that were typically used to the process of getting up on a Sunday morning, right, and right. you know, when you, when you have to decide between the golf course and the church. It used to be in the day, they used to pick the church. That's not so much the case anymore. And what the Lord began to talk to me about was the natural attrition of those people who are presently 55 years old, let's say. Over the next 20 years, those people are going to, you know, not necessarily go to heaven, but they're going to become less active in society. What's going to happen with that is church, as we know it, is going to fade even further away from the minds and the hearts of culture and its effect on society. And that day now has dramatically impacted the way I think about the things that are going on inside of the kingdom. Because we're going to see that as this religion, if you want to call it that, this church, church life, as that effect on culture is slowly, day by day, becoming less and less. Hmm. But knowing on the other side of the equation, because I know that God has gone through these lots of these things before, where, you know, church life, if you go back over the last 2,000 years or so, you know, church life and attending church has kind of gone through lots and lots of ebbs and flows, but, you know, God, that didn't seem to worry God much. Mm -hmm. He always had a plan. He always had a way of reaching the people who really wanted to know him. Who were, you know, interested in, they just had a knowing on the inside of their heart that the world that they live in is not the world. It's, it's maybe part of it, but it goes beyond. And there's always been a group of people, like yourselves, who would decide, you know what, I'd really like to get to know God just a little bit better. I'd like to, you know, at least, and, and then what, what's happening with, with our lives is that we're incrementally moving closer to God. Because we sense that that's going on inside of our hearts. And so that season, about a year ago now that I was at that funeral, that season until this one now has really helped me to go back and define uh, Christianity or really, you know, if you can call it that, uh, what Jesus talked about when he was here. 
Uh, Billy, uh, Tommy Reed, a very close friend of mine, you might recognize the name from the Tabernacle Church over in Buffalo. You know, we were having breakfast one day and he came to me and he said, you know, Ian, do you really think that the kingdom of God is relevant in a pagan world? Because he's kind of recognizing the same thing. You know, Tommy is now probably 85 or 86 or 38, something like that. So he's even fur goes even further back than I do, right. recognizing that there's a, there's a dramatic shift in the way the world operates. And pretty much the society, the culture that we live in, although perhaps your world is very, very much close to God, that's really not the way our society is, not really the way our culture is. Oftentimes people would call it post-Christian or, you know, that, yeah, I used to be that, but I don't do that anymore kind of a thing. And really defining it as a, as a culture that really doesn't have a lot of God in the center of it. We, we call that, we call that a pagan world. It's just kind of like every, every man for himself. And that's not new. You know, that's been going on again for culture after culture after culture. Where the, a, a moral compass will increase or a Godwardness, maybe you want to say it like that. A Godwardness would increase and then it would decrease again and then it would increase again and then it would decrease again. And you kind of go in those kind of waves over the history of the church. Mm. And so as I'm recognizing that, I'm watching one thing go down and I'm watching another thing go up. And I'm kind of celebrating it, not that I want churches to go down, I don't want that, right. but I, I, I'm sensing that there is a greater thing that's happening mm. in the kingdom of God uh, in each one of our hearts. Because right. you would say, it's not going down in me. Right. I woke up in the morning, I'm excited to get to church. You know, when I wake up and I'm excited to pray, I'm excited to spend time in my Bible. I'm excited to throw the worship Amen. CD in my, you know, I want to lift my hands and I want to say, God, Woo. you're great. That's what I want to do. It's what's going on on the inside of me. I'm going to go backwards now. This is what I, I want to talk about today is that when Jesus was here, you know, we kind of got, a, got we've, we've kind of had lots of seasons of Christianity that have come and gone since Jesus was here. But the miracle, the miracle of miracles, is that, that the, in the Bible, in the, 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 what we call the Gospels, that's the, the four books of the Bible, kind of in the middle somewhere, that's kind of the beginning, that's stuck in the middle. God, I get that it's confusing. But it's Jesus' time. When he was here, he was talking to us. Jesus didn't have a lot to say about church life. Some folks did. Paul had a lot to say about it. They had a bigger problem at the time. They were kind of having to deal with masses of people, mm -hmm. all wanting to cramming in to get as close to God as they possibly can. And what that's doing is creating a problem. And so Paul talks a lot about what do you do with that problem? Right. And how do you organize it and all that kind of stuff? And I right. think what happened was then we got into the organizing and then we forgot, oh, yeah, this is about God. <laughs> And then we've kind of gone from season. It's kind of very organized. It's very structured. That's why I love being out here. I love that we don't have air conditioning. I love that it's hot. I love that we're outside. I love that there's water right there. I especially love that there's a whole pack of sail. Oh, they've gone. Whole pack of sailboats out there. A little distracting during worship. But God forgave me. Amen. I love it because it helps us in an understanding of how do we go back to the beginning? Right. How do we take, because the book, the Bible is a big book. Yes. It covers thousands and thousands and thousands of years. But it helps us to go back to the, the, this, this magical time when Jesus was here. And Jesus was explaining to us what's it all about. And what he did is when he started talking, if you might remember, if you've spent any time there at all, 
You might remember that when Jesus started, he said, Jesus went about all the region preaching and teaching how to go to church on Sunday mornings. <laughs> no, see, he didn't, he didn't do that. Jesus, it says, Jesus went about preaching and teaching the kingdom of God. Amen. And so it's like, what, so it's like oh, uh, what does that mean exactly? And defining for each one of our hearts, if we're chasing after something, if we're, if we're going to go after this next 20 years where... The, you know, the church life is a season when that's going to sort of have its little, you know, maybe a little bit of a twilight time. And then there's a new season that's going to have its dawning time. And I believe what's happening is that there's a dawning time where we get to go back and challenge, allow our hearts to challenge the things that have gone in the previous season of our life and say, you know what, I'm really interested in knowing what was the real thing? What was it really about? Jesus says it's about the kingdom of God. And he talked about it like this. He says, and the kingdom of God is at hand. And so that's an English thing. That's unqualified to tell you what that means. Because when I grew up, we talked like this. And my mother would say to me, she said, get me, the, get me the, 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 the teapot. It's right there at hand. And what she referred to, it's, it's, it, it means you can reach it with your hand. It's like right in front of you is what Jesus was trying to say. The kingdom of God isn't something that is, so, you know, maybe right. we can you know, trudge through the kingdom of nastiness that lives down in here, in our yeah. life here. And then one day, after you have persevered for years and years and years, under the great weight of all the terrible things that are going on in your life, you're going to end up in the kingdom. As if the kingdom of God is somewhere, another place. Like heaven is the kingdom of God. Maybe we would have interpreted. I think a lot of times religion might have told us that. Right. That there's another time away from here where we're going to enjoy life. But right now, no smiling. No. Ah, ah, ah. And so I think that's when Jesus said the kingdom of God, trying to understand what it was, if we're kind of all got this idea of religion... And this is God is kind of religion, and religion is kind of God. Instead of that, to have a look around and say, okay, I don't mind religion. I think it's a cool thing. We should organize, keep the lights on, or so. <laughs> but I think it's what's mostly important is that we don't lose sight. If we're going to gravitate towards a little bit more structure in our relationship with God, that's okay. Right. As long as it's structure based on the relationship and not just structure. I think that's where, that's where the problem has come in. Everybody forgot that it's about the kingdom of God. Or even that we would understand what is the kingdom of God. When Jesus used that kind of terminology, remember that there was, a, there was an occupied world at that time. Rome, uh, by the time Jesus got here, Rome was almost finished their global domination mandate. Uh, at least the globe at the time. And they had gone everywhere. This this. this tyrannical uh, system had covered the whole world. People at that time understood that the kingdom of Rome was a, was a system. It was a, a, a way of thinking. It wasn't that long ago now, if you go back to the season when Jesus was here, a couple thousand years ago now, the season when Jesus was here, people knew that before Rome came, people, Rome was bad, it was brutal. But Rome was an organizing force. It was a concept. It was an idea. It was a way of thinking 
that caused people and a very barbarian world, a lawless world, a tribal world, all of these kind of things that were like, you know, it's just fighting and killing all the time and stealing and marauding. That was the way life was, kind of like today. You know, the, the, world, the world was very different. Then Rome comes in, and Rome was very interested in organizing everybody in a productive way. Right. For their benefit, of course, but that's what happened. And now when Jesus comes on the scene and he talks about the kingdom of God, using that terminology, people understood what he was saying. He's bringing something. He's going to bring something that's going to create a kingdom, just like Rome brought something that created a kingdom. Right. And it went right. and dominated the whole white world. So when Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God filling the whole earth, they go, yeah, I get it, because I just saw that happen. Over the last two or three, four hundred years, that's what's been happening. Now when we look at it and we say, what's the kingdom of God? We go, I, I'm not really sure. what. I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable with my particular religion, but I'm not really sure I even understand what the kingdom of God is. I don't know if I'd see it if it came. Because I'm not sure. Is it here? Is it later? Is it something I can see? Is it something I can feel? Is it an idea? Is it a concept? Is it a cult? I'm not really sure what it is. And so that's really where I've been over the last while. Let's define this. What's it supposed to be like? And it was, I was drawn to this scripture. What I want to share with you today was a scripture out of Romans that says the kingdom of God is righteousness. That's a crazy word, eh? Peace. We got that one. And joy. That one I know. And so I thought to myself, I'm not sure if the present day expression of what we call Christianity would have at its root righteousness, peace, and joy. Mm -hmm. That each one of us would say, you know what, I think that kind of defines my life. Right. And so I'm thinking about the word righteous. Now how many husbands are there in the room? Anybody, anybody admit to that? Yeah. <laughs> I try to, you know, this, this word is such a kind of a churchy word. And so it sometimes is a little hard for us to really understand what does it mean to be righteous. Right. And the best that I can do, you know, when I, you know, Tina and I have been married for 35, 1985, 30, 32 years. Hey, listen, anybody can be married for 32 years, but I've been married for 32 years to the same person. <laughs>
it's not bad. I'm not talking, you know, I'm not talking marriage talk here, guys. But you can tell that there's something, I can tell there's something up. I did something wrong or something happened or whatever. It's just not right. How many of you know that feeling? It's just not, yeah, it is my fault. I knew that. How many of you, there's a, but let me, let, but let's go to the other side of it now, because I'm not talking to your husband and wife here. You, I could have a problem with a person, and I don't know there's a problem, but I can tell mm, there's something up here. We're just not Zahalu like we used to be before. That's a new word, again, culture changing. That word righteousness is kind of like a word like that. Where we as human beings, we are prone to be easily offended. We're prone to be to feeling guilt. We're prone to feeling remorse. We're f- prone to all these negative feelings that come with the experiences that we go with. And oftentimes our relationship with God can kind of be like that. I mean, God loves me, I love him, but we're not like Zahalu together. We're not quite right. This word righteousness is a state of being. No, no. It's actually a feeling. It's a way of living that you just know, I, this is good. You know what happens with, and I'm, I'm thinking of, I have the, the most beautiful bride in the whole world, and we have a wonderful marriage together, so please don't read between the lines. I'm giving it to you for example's sake. Right. Okay? When there is a when the stuff is out of alignment, what do we have to do? We're not running forward, are we? No, we're not going to bed now. No, we have a couple hours still. We gotta work some stuff out. That's true, right? Or when I wake up in the morning, it's gonna be even worse. Right. So what you do is you just know based on the fact that something is out of order, it's out of kilter between us, that we gotta double back. We got to say, whoa, 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 whoa. You may call me. I said, can't take your call. You know, the motor, somebody might grab the motorcycle in the garage. And say, oh, no, no, no. That's not time for that right now. I got to back up because I need, there's something up here. And this is a relationship that's primary in my life. And right. so you've got to stop and you've got to go back. And you've got to fix it. A lot of our times when we are coming into a religious environment, what happens is, is that we oftentimes come in like husbands come into the bedroom, like dough heads. We haven't got a clue we did something wrong. <laughs> and then we come in and we find religion and we find out how many things we have done wrong today in the last 10 minutes. And we can have this, everything is out of order, out of order, out of order. And our Christianity doesn't feel much like a righteous environment. It doesn't feel like things are good between me and God. And so I'm constantly in the place where I'm looping back and looping back and looping back and looping back because I'm I'm a Godward person. My relationship with God is important to me. And so if I'm feeling, I'm not moving forward. And if I do move forward, I know that I'm moving forward all by my onesie. At least that's what I think. God certainly can't be coming with me because he thinks I'm a really terrible person. Religion, this is the problem with religion. This is why religion is is in its twilight season right now. 
is because everybody has realized the closer I get to religion, the less righteous I feel. Because I get more and more information about things I'm doing wrong. And I feel worse about my... But can I tell you what Jesus... Jesus said, the kingdom of God is righteousness. It means that everything between me and God is okay. Can I tell you what the greatest picture of that is? The greatest picture is Jesus on the cross. Not because I'm okay, I get that. But can I tell you how Jesus got to the cross? It all started off by my Father in heaven seeing me with my up to my neck in mud and misery. And he goes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, can you do me a quick favor? He asked for commitment first. That's what I do. And then he says, I need you to go and rescue Ian. He's in a really bad spot. And so God went and decided, you know, I got got a nickel in my pocket. Maybe I can flick Ian a nickel, see if that helps. That's not what he did. He looked around and said, the only thing that's going to get Ian out of the mud and the misery is the best thing I've got. That was God's decision. That wasn't Ian's decision. Listen, when we were the worst of what we've ever been, because we didn't know how worse we were, we were just busy being worse. (laughs) That was when God decided he was going to come and find me. I didn't decide to go find him. Like, Like Pastor Tina was saying, you didn't... You didn't find your way here. Yes. You woke yeah. up. Who, how, why did you feel like this was the good idea on a Sunday? Well, beautiful weather like this, and your good idea was come to church? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Can I tell you something? God led you here. Yeah. Yeah. He is you here because he wants to talk to you. Yes. And maybe he's using the knucklehead at the front here in order to do some of the talking. But that's that God started that. Yeah. He didn't need you to be fixed up. He's glad that you showered. We're all glad you're showered. But that wasn't necessary. God was totally okay when you were a mess in the mud. And so then we come to the church and then we find out, oh no, i gotta, I got to you know, clean it all up. No, you don't. You just need to forget about the fact that you that God is worried about what you look like or smell like or what you did. Get over that. I remember this, the miracle of this happened years and years and years ago for me. When I finally realized, I read, I used to read this big, thick Bible, still do, paper version. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those. (laughs) They have them in museums if you ever want to look at one. And it was this one of these, you know, with all the notes, you know, it was for the really serious Christians. It's got more notes than it has Bible. Have you ever seen one of those? And it was there was this little annotation there and the side that said it was something to do with the reference to the Ten Commandments. How many of you know in the Old Testament it, it talks about Ten Commandments? And the note in the Bible says, and in the New Testament, there are a thousand and thirty. <laughs> All the instructions that God gave us. You know, don't fear, don't be anxious, you know, be nice. That's a paraphrase, but you should. I realized a thousand, I mean, in the Old Testament, ten. And nobody made it. Not one person could get all ten. 
I'm thinking to myself, are you like out of your mind, God? Nobody could get 10, so your brilliant idea was make it a thousand. And I realized something. It was like this light bulb went off inside of my head. That's so good. God never intended that we were going to be rated or scored based on our ability to do the commandments. The commandments aren't a test. They're an instruction book. Nobody's life is going to rate me. The more I do stuff God's way, the better my life gets. It's not him saying, you know, I know you want to drink and do all these other things, but, you know, you need to sit on the floor and be miserable, okay? That's the rule. Sorry. <laughs> That's not how it is. He's saying, look, I found you in the mud and the misery. If you do it this way, you're not going to live that way anymore. You're going to live with this different, you're going to feel like life is, you got the tiger by the tail. And so it's not like I have to do these things. God's like, don't. You don't want to do them? Don't. You think your way is better? Have at it. Seriously. That sounds terrible. I mean, you're in church. Don't think you're just zoned out into the twilight zone here. God said, have it, do whatever you want. Live however you like. Right. If you want to go to Toronto, you can go that way. If you want, you won't get to Toronto going that way, but you can go that way. It's totally, that's kind of what God is saying. God's not got an issue with knowing that he's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know Volkswagen, the, the people who built my truck, they're not arguing with me about who's right about how to change the oil in their truck. They made the truck. They know this is how you do it. If I decide I'm going to do it every 20 years, give or take, that's not going to work. And Volkswagen's not going to be bothered. This is how God is. He's saying stop word, stop looking at your relationship or all this information that's about to come at you now that God's going to be very diligent in getting somebody like me to come here and say you should be, this, is, this would be better. And feeling burdened by that, although God all of a sudden found out, oh, you're miserable. God didn't find that out when the information came. He already knew that. That's why he sent the information. So what can I do? The real kingdom of God is in a different relationship. You know, when I come to my son or one of my daughters or my new people that have been showing up at my house, all of these things, you know, when I have advice for them, if you want, take it. If not, that's okay. I don't think I would have painted my house pink if I were you, but hey, have at it. That's how God is. God's a dad. He's interested in you thinking that you're awesome and that the sun shines out of your nose. I'm serious. He wants you to think that. He demonstrated that by deciding that you were worth more to him than Jesus is worth to him. I know that's, that's where, where am I right now? If I, you, know, you know what happens if I like this shirt? This shirt probably cost 50 cents to make. You know, I traded $30 for it. You know, because I think it's worth more than $30. That's why I traded $30 for it. Mm -hmm. I thought I got a good deal. Very good. Isn't that how it works? Yes. You never buy anything. You ever bought anything you thought was a bad deal? <laughs> you never did. You'll never exchange your money 
for something that you think isn't worth the money that you're going to pay for. Nobody will do that. That means God thinks you are more valuable than Jesus because he traded Jesus for you. When you were a mess. Look at you now. Look at the person beside you and say, look at you now. So if, listen, if God thought you were the best thing since sliced bread when you were misery, what do you think he thinks of you now? It's like it should be like, whoop, 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 I'm just, God thinks I'm the greatest thing in the whole wide world. And what does that do? Can I tell you, when Tina comes to me and says, you know, Ian, you look good today. She always comes up and snuggles up to me, gives me a nice hug, kisses me on the cheek and say, you are so handsome. I know. Do you know how that makes me feel? It makes you feel awesome. You know why? Because when I, because everything is right. Right. And I, I, that doesn't mean I'm perfect. That doesn't mean she's perfect. Right? That's not how you have a relationship like that, expecting the other person to be perfect. And, you know, oh, you know, you did this wrong, did this wrong. How does a relationship go when you do that? It doesn't go at all. And it could have been great if you just didn't do that. That's how God's relationship is with us. He just wants us to feel as though he, we are right with, we're just like totally Zahalu with it. He just thinks we're the greatest. You know what you can do then? You absolutely know that when you go into your tomorrows, when you go into your next minute, you're not going in waiting for the thunderbolt to hit you when you land your foot on the ground. You're there waiting to tell God things, I'm awesome. God decided that he needed to trade Jesus for me because he so believes in who I am as a person. He so has a great plan for me. He so has a great purpose and destiny for my life. I'm just going to go at it with all of my strength, all of my might. Finding out all along the way how I get better and better and enjoy life more and more, become more powerful in my life, more able, more, more conscious of the things that God created into this natural world, the clues that he gave us in the word of God to be able to activate this supernatural ability that we have to transform the world around us. And it's simple. Do you know what it does? You can totally tell when you get the righteousness thing down. Please tell me when I'm done. It'll usually it'll be the smoke coming out of the back of that barbecue. <laughs> Am I done? Everybody <laughs> can smell the sailors. Please move aside. <laughs> righteousness. This is, this is what Romans says. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Can I say, can I just, I think there are steps that you take. But when you get the righteousness thing down, you step into this place called peace. You know why? Because we just totally know that the God of all creation, you remember almighty God? He thinks I'm, a, I'm the greatest. You know this wonderful story that comes up from Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, when he went into the Second World War, he knew from even as a child that it was going to be his job to save the world. That sounded arrogant from him, and it might have been. But can I tell you something? Winston Churchill, you would just walk through the battlefield, there'd be bullets flying all over the place, and he would be undaunted by those things. There's, one, there's a picture of him one time with a pew, the bullet like hit the little sack of something right beside him. He wasn't even bothered by it. He just kept going. Do you know why? 
Because he knew God had destined him to save the world. And so as far as he was concerned, if God wants me to do that, go ahead, fire away. Nothing's going to happen to me. Do you know what? He's literally walking through the fields of World War II at peace. He wasn't afraid at all. He was just, everything was totally fine. Because he knew God had a purpose and a destiny for his life. And until such a thing was done, nothing could happen to him. Isn't that an amazing belief system? Can I tell you, that's what this is talking about? Well, we don't have to be too timid. We don't have to procrastinate. We don't have to hesitate. We don't have to be fearful about where we're going. When God starts to talk to us about our purpose and our destiny, talks to us about why we're here, talks to us about the purpose and destiny for your life, just like Winston Churchill's, to change the world around you for better. Can I tell you something? We can go through that completely peaceful every moment of every day. And can I tell you the third step is joy. There is just something about when you have this process in line, righteousness, everything is good between me and God. I didn't find him. He found me. And he did that because of a purpose and destiny that he placed on my life before the world even began. I step into that place of peace and all of a sudden the world around me is a playground full of joy, full of people, full of relationship, full of opportunity, full of abundance at every single level, which creates this swell of joy, not happiness, happiness comes and goes. There's a swell like you you put a new battery inside the flashlight. And when that new battery gets in, the whole flashlight experiences the joy of having a full tank. Can I tell you? That's what God is trying to do in this season of our lives. There's going to be people who can understand, who can grab hold of what God is doing and just say this, say this I want that to be me. If there's going to be somebody that comes through this first, I want it to be me. On the way to the tent this morning, I heard the Lord begin to talk to me about blessed are those who who, who believe and yet do not see. God is raising up a community right now, not just here in Fort Erie, but I believe all around the world. There's people who are willing to, 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 to open their minds to step towards God beyond the religious boundaries, even if you go to victory. Step beyond those boundaries to say, you know what, God, I'm looking for some of this right. I'm looking to understand how much you love me, not related to whether I'm a good person or a bad person, whether I do the right thing or don't do the right thing, that I can just step into that understanding that God loves me no matter what. I believe there's a new group of people that are coming into the earth right now who maybe you can't, you don't have somebody that you can say, yeah, that's the person I want to emulate. That's the person who's living inside the kingdom. And I can tell by the way they are. I can tell by their lifestyle. I can tell by the joy, this effervescent feeling of joy that's coming out from the inside of them. But nevertheless, you can open up your Bible and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And hear what what Jesus himself told us about the kingdom of God. Stepping into that just because Jesus said it. Just because he told us about this kingdom that is at hand. It's right here, right now. All we need to do is change our perspective towards that kingdom. Realizing that God created this world to be a playground and then he put humans in it. It was never intended to be a place of misery. It was never in place to be a place of pain. 
pain has its place, but that's not what life is about. Life is about this continuing acceleration of our lives towards God's plan for our life with Him right beside us. Put your hand over your heart and say, Heavenly Father, I want to be one of those people. I declare today that I can see it inside of my mind. Jesus speaking to me, calling me towards his kingdom, causing me to live a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I need you. Show me the truth. Lead me in the way. In Jesus' name.